1: Abner Marez is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by Abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champion, sports, music, culture, family life, and so much more. Listen to On The Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English are out on Tuesdays, and episodes in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. What is crackalackin', Hardwood Knocks listeners? I am Dan Valley coming at you once more without my fantastic co-host, Adam Frommel. I am, however, in just a moment going to be joined by Christian Winfield of the New York Daily News. Follow him on Twitter at Chrisplash. That's at K-R-I-S-P-L-A-S-H-E-D. He does a fantastic job covering the Brooklyn Nets and the NBA at large for for the Daily News. As you might have guessed, if you did not already read the title, this is going to be the Brooklyn Nets look ahead podcast. However, we do delve into uh, more of a national scale topic at the beginning that that I, I think is fascinating. I asked Christian about the NBA's head coach hiring practices. And we tackle that just from all sorts of angles. There's clearly the, the racial disparity when you're looking at the number of white head coaches, and even executives there are compared to black people and, and just people of color in general. And then we use that to talk about the Steve Nash hire, where maybe it's not even an issue of him skipping the line. It, it could be, we get into that, uh, but it's the opportunity that he's getting to kind of take over a ready-made contender as a rookie where would every other rookie head coach have that opportunity. Uh, so that's a form of privilege for him as well. Uh, Christian had some great thoughts on that. I really enjoyed talking to him about them. But then we get into all things Nets. And even if you're not a Nets fan, this podcast is so interesting because we talk about trade targets and free agents. Galore. The Nets just—they have a trade package in waiting. Are they going to go after Bradley Beal, Victor Oladipo, Drew, Drew Holiday? We talk about Aaron Gordon a little bit. We're suggesting free agency targets. We're talking about Kevin Durant's return, how he looks post-injury, the fit between he, Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, and Karis Lavert. Assuming that not one of them is traded. We talk Jared Allen. And this is all things Nets, but it's a great podcast for all of you. I hope uh, you listen to it, enjoy it. Before we get there, though. Just want to shout out our sponsors, Bet Online, and Indeed. Without them, this podcast would not be possible. And last but certainly not least, please, 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 pretty please with sugar on top, continue rating and reviewing and subscribing to us wherever you are consuming your podcast. Even if you're not using iTunes, though, that is still the best place to help us out, to let us know that you're out there, that you're listening, and that I am not always, at least, yelling into the great void. So just head over to iTunes, search Hardware Knocks, five-star rating, write a review. We really, really appreciate the reviews. Even if they have constructive criticism, we are always reading them. And look, wherever you're getting your podcast, just make sure you're subscribed and, and downloading all our episodes. That's the next best way to help us. And then this is actually my final note. Follow us on social media at hardwood Knox and also our YouTube channel where our podcasts are youtube.com search hardwood knocks. We will be right there. I have delayed long enough with this primer. Let's now get into a bunch of different things with the New York Daily News' Christian Winfield. Christian, welcome back to the podcast. I think this is the fourth time I've had you on, so thank you for being a frequent guest four. of the, the podcast. Now, yeah, four. I think this is man, number four. I need,
0: I need some stock, man. What's up? I need some shares. I need, I need whatever you want to call it. You can you give me, you give me shares. You give me, you give me some Bitcoin. You know what I'm saying?
1: However, you want to. However, you want to compensate. I'll take it. you. Will no, be, if,
0: thanks for having me.
1: You will be the lone <laughs> stakeholder in this podcast, then. So, so Let's do it. you know, I, if I'm the
0: lone stakeholder, that means I'm the lone beneficiary of
1: whatever's <laughs> paid out. So, I'll take them. Um, how are you doing, though? You know, we're post bubble now. This is like we're we're in the off season. We're waiting to see. We know when the draft's going to happen, but we're waiting for the moratorium to lift. We still don't have an exact date on free agency. We just know it's going to start sometime before or around. To, December 1st, or, right. so how are you during this, like, I guess, time of, for us, like, aside from the breaking news, it's just sort of a standstill in this wait-and-see mode.
0: Yeah, it's downtime, you know, um, right now
1: would be around, it'd be around the season opener, right,
0: what is this, uh, October 20th, 20, 21st, yeah. You know, today? yeah, 21st, we'd be at game two or so of the season, right, I'd probably be at Barclays, uh, up, in, up in section 115, watching some basketball, um, I feel like my my, my clock hasn't well, my my actual inner clock is reset, but the real world has not reset yet. So uh, I'm just sitting here. Um, but no, I'm good. You know, I've I've moved into a new apartment um, I'm in Brooklyn. I'm just trying to, you know, we're we're bracing for the weather to break. I know it it hasn't necessarily tanked yet, but soon it's going to tank. Um, and the election is around the corner too, so I'm, I'm getting ready for that. Um, other than that, man, I'm just trying to keep up with what's going on in the league, talk to who I've got to talk to, um, keep some content going for the daily news, and uh, and just try to have some fun if possible.
1: I will say the one, and I am crossing my fingers doing anything I can to hope that the election turns out the way that it needs to turn out, but the the thing that's still catching me off guard is I don't think my clock is actually reset because I think the LeBron James conversation is what got me where they were like, you know, he's going to turn 36 yeah. in a few weeks, and it's like Oh crap! This is you know we're we're close to December when LeBron's going to turn thirty six, and so that whole schedule flip has definitely thrown me off more than I realized. Right. I mean, shoot, My
0: birthday's in in a week. What's today? Twenty. Yeah, my birthday's on the twenty eighth. So, uh, I've got happy to early out birthday. Right. Thank you. Thank hey, you. you you officially are the first person to wish me happy birthday. How does it feel?
1: Wow. This is an honor. Um, oh it feels amazing for me. I mean, I wish it was coming under better circumstances. I just feel like, <laughs> what is time at this point? Just lost track of time. Right. Like, I don't even know how people, I haven't had a birthday yet during the pandemic. Um, but I celebrated one with my wife. It was her 30th and I can objectively say that it was like mildly depressing.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah. I just can't really do anything. I, I don't know. I feel like we're still gonna probably have a couple folks over and, and make some food, play some music, get on our neighbor's nerves. That's about I'm it. all I'll for be. the I'm latter. Too much to around, right?
1: <laughs> um, I wanted to start with the the Nets conversation, the Steve Nash hire, which is the biggest change that I think they've incurred since we last actually spoke about the Nets. Sure. And so when the news first broke, we're talking about this now, like I don't even know how many weeks after the fact, uh, was Jeez. that something like that decision? Was that something that caught you off guard? Because it seldom seems like these decisions actually come as a surprise to people who were, who are really plugged in. But this also felt like one of those times where even those people were like, oh, crap. Wow.
0: No, let me tell you something. The, the, the way the Nets operate, uh, you know, it's, you know, no one saw Kenny Atkinson's firing coming or whatever you want to call it. Dismissal, mutually agreed parting of ways. Um, <laughs> no one saw that coming. You know, the, the day before uh, the news broke, uh, the Nets had a game. And uh, Kenny Atkinson, I didn't really, I probably was talking about it to you the last time I was on the podcast, but we didn't really put it together at the time. Kenny Atkinson was in a rush. He, he was ready, you know, they, the Nets had just beaten, I believe, the Spurs, uh, and I think they had lost maybe two in a row or something like that. They had lost, a, I don't think it was a, a crazy losing streak. It might have been three or so in a row. Um, and they had beaten the Spurs. Karras had, had a great game, um, and, and Kenny Atkinson's in a rush. He takes about three or four questions. He goes, guys, I got to go. Uh, and then we find out the next day that hey kenny Atkins is no longer the head coach um so that just that just gives you a little bit of backdrop you know the, the nets are generally a, a a keep things on the hush uh organization you know i'm, yep. I'm a guy who I'm, I'm i'm running around trying to talk to team nutritionists about what they're what they're feeding the players and why they're feeding the players and they're not even trying to give me information about that talking about it's proprietary information and they don't want to give other teams uh any ideas into what they're feeding their players so i get that um and i get and and to, to answer your question you know i didn't see the steve nash hire coming a lot of the reporters that i was talking to they didn't see the steve nash hire coming either uh so it kind of just like snuck up on us in the middle of I forget when I think it just like broke as soon as we woke up in the morning. Steve Nash is a new Nets coach. Um it, it yeah, to answer your question, I didn't see it coming. You know, I had a a list of names who I thought, you know, would probably be a, a good candidate. You know, we we the the conversation about black head coaches uh that were qualified for the job. we we've already had that conversation multiple times, you know, we've had you know, Mark Jackson got a couple, a bunch of different names, Tyron Lue, a bunch of different guys who would have been, you know, even even some new ones, Alvin Gentry, Nate McMillan. Those guys probably would have been qualified as well. Um, but you know, when you talk about Steve Nash, and you you know, there's two sets, and and this is something that I I've also come around on. You know, obviously, there's yes, there are our, our black blackhead coaches uh, who have extensive uh, coaching experience in the league, have been coaching for decades. And then there's the actual NBA player MVP, two-time MVP, uh, who plays the position most like the head coach, who never actually was a head coach, but always wanted to. You know, I I understand that. You know, if you were a player in this league, you should have your pick, uh, or at least your your preference of what you want to do, and and not necessarily get moved to the front of the line like, like, like like what happened with Steve Nash, but. More so, you know, okay, well, you know, I played this game at a very high level. For example, right. if Chauncey Billups wanted to be the GM of the Pistons, I'm sure that job would open up for him in a heartbeat. Why? He has no GM experience, but he played this game at a very high level. He's 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 demonstrated his his, his thought process uh, on TV. You know, we, we know exactly. You know, that's like saying if, if Kevin Garnett wanted to be the, the GM or have some type of role in the Timberwolves, he, he's a Hall of Fame basketball player who who's won championship. Uh, you know, so so I kind of understand it, but at the same time, um, it, it was just a little bit disappointing when you've got a a team or a franchise that says Black Lives Matter. You've got players who are saying who are wearing Black Lives Matter uh, in in the Orlando bubble. We've got a player who say he's ready to to risk it all and, and give all of his money back and and give all of his accolades and accomplishments back if it means Black Liberation. Uh, and, and then you you sign off on on a head coach who is not Black, but um you know at, at the end of the day if this is the guy who the the players feel and who the organization feels is going to take them to the next level then then so be it but I will tell you this if they do not get a championship in the next couple years um then you have to revisit that question because Steve Nash and this is and I'm going on a tangent here and it's fine I always go over what I'm talking <laughs> you, but you know it it's, it's it's not necessarily the job, right? It's not the fact that Steve Nash got a head coaching job before other qualified black candidates. It's Steve Nash got Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Karis LeVert, Spencer Dinwiddie, DeAndre Jordan, Jared Allen, uh, and he got dealt a, a perfect hand as opposed to a coach of color who will probably have to come in this league and take the king's job or take another job that is, or take a... a a New York Knicks job, right? Well, that ended up going to Tom Thibodeau. You know, it's just a it's a discrepancy in the quality of of, of opportunity that's provided to to black head coaches as opposed to others. Um, that is is particularly disturbing. But at the same time, you know, if this is and now it's another part of the conversation. This was why I can't wait for for press conferences and for player availability to open up because we need to know if this was a a, a signing that or a hiring that was made by Nets management, Nets ownership, or if it was a hiring that was gone after by players, right? Because players mm-hmm. can't say, hey, we want uh we want more blackhead coaches in this league and then not use their power to do so. Right? So once that that's something that I'm going to be asking once once Kyrie and KD are able to actually speak for themselves in a in a public forum. Um and not you know what I'm saying like I, I hate the whole oh Kyrie went and spoke to Uh, Somebody on some podcast. Let me go write what he said. You know, that's not really, I I don't necessarily like doing that. I'd rather talk to somebody directly about something. But, you know, these guys have to speak for themselves. So that's kind of where I'm at with it. You know, if you think Steve Nash is the guy for the job, that's fine. But if you also think that there is an issue with the number of blackhead coaches in this league and you're not doing something about it and you're a superstar in this league and you're a VP. Uh, of the National Basketball Players Association, that's not fine, you know. So I, it's 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 a couple different layers to to the the issue. I don't I don't even necessarily consider it an issue. Well, I mean, it's an issue depending on where players stand in the fight for getting more black belt coaches coaches uh, in this league. And if that is not an issue to them, then there's no issue with the Nash hire, right? But if it is an issue to them then it's kind of like almost shooting yourself in the foot, saying you want more black head coaches, but not using your power to get some in there.
1: Even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com blue BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. Yeah, and that was the thing. What you touched on is where my feelings had landed on it, is that it definitely matters that but even if you haven't spoken to them directly, like this isn't a decision that gets made without... A hard stamp of approval from Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, and it definitely wouldn't be a stretch to say, knowing what Durant's relationship was with Steve Nash, even before he went to Golden State, like Nash was kind of involved in that decision-making process. I think it would be fair to say, like this was a coach that was handpicked by Kyrie and Kevin Durant. But it's so I think you know when you're looking at this specific situation when you have if if you're two black superstars are then driving the hire, I I I think that makes it more okay. But then what you talk about. Uh, which just makes so much sense to me. And is again, where I had landed on it is that this is one of just a larger issue than just what's happening with the Nets. And then you're looking at the opportunity that Steve Nash is kind of coming into as a first-time head coach, where it's not just an issue of, oh, it, they didn't hire someone of color, or you could say that he's replacing someone of color because Jacques Vaughn did right. a hell of a job there too. It's that he also skipped the line among any assistants that have done um, more time in their spot. And like you said, would have needed to um, white or black, but predominantly black, would have needed to have taken over, in most cases, a worse team. And he's coming into to this contender. And so that's where I think the discussion lies is, yeah, we can say that, look, Kyrie and Katie wanted Steve Nash, and look, that has to matter. That certainly matters. But it does, like the whole perfect storm of circumstances here, I think lends itself to the, to the larger conversation. And then the thing that I didn't even really think about, which you bring up, is just a, a very salient point, is where do the players land on this? Because this is just one of those issues where I feel like they haven't necessarily spoken or been asked too much about it. And so if they do think that there's um, this, or, or if they're all about the clear hiring disparity when you're looking at head coaches and even front offices, executives if that matters to them then yes something like this where Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant are the driving force behind Steve Nash getting this job might not be the best look uh that's something though that I think they definitely need to to talk more about it or, or actually be be asked about I just the thing in this specific situation is you just keep coming back to Kyrie and KD wanting him even Kyrie saying on that podcast you referenced that You know, do we even have a head coach? Like he made it sound like it was more of a co-op. That's kind of funny to me. And whether he misspoke or not, I think it hints at the fact that, well, these two were clearly very involved, if not driving the process. Yeah, you know, I get and and it all takes, you know, these these things, they, they can be kind of
0: touchy, right? Because if you ask a player a question in the wrong way, they'll get defensive. Yep. And then they'll they'll, yep. they'll 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 deflect it and they won't even ask they they won't even answer the question. Now they're looking at a certain reporter a certain way, like, okay, I know you've got some type of agenda. You you know who I appreciate? Uh, the way they ask questions, Taylor Rooks. Uh, specifically when so you know, good, I, right? I was covering yeah, I I was covering just a little bit um in the early rounds, especially when the Nets were playing the not they weren't playing the magic in the playoffs, but they played the magic or something happened with the magic. I don't think they I don't think they played the magic, but Jonathan Isaac um didn't well he didn't kneel for the national national no it was there wasn't it wasn't a playoff game it was a seeding game and um what Taylor Rooks did was she didn't she didn't preface the question at all she just said hey do you believe black lives matter right and that's kind of the kind of that's the the question or that's the way the question needs to be asked for these players is do you think that there is an issue with the no, cuz I, I you can't frame the question as hey do you, what do you think about or did you did you consider the fact that, you know, if you, you can't really attack players for not doing something, right? That's not necessarily how you have to approach it, but you can ask them a question, open-ended question, and then follow up on it, right? So my question to them will be, hey, do you feel like there is an issue with the number of black head coaches in this league? Then I'll have to follow up, you know, did, was that any, did you guys consider that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that something that you guys considered when you were Deciding whether Steve Nash was the guy for the job or not. So that's probably the way I'm going to do it. Um, and I'm pretty sure nobody else is going to ask that question. Um, I'm probably going to have to ask it the second time around because I've got other questions I got to get in as well. But it's going to be fun. I, I just hope it's something that we can do in person um, because I, I'm really over the whole virtual thing. It's not. It's so robotic, man. You, you know, you know how it is. And they don't even see you. You know, <laughs> like they're looking at a screen of themselves. They don't even see you when you're asking the questions to them in in, in Zoom. Uh, they block it out. Uh, so I, I can't wait for that to come around because I, I, I'm genuinely curious. You know, I really want to know if you do think that it's an issue, right, that that there aren't enough black head coaches in this league and, and you're willing to go to war. You know, and obviously there, there's there's different levels of magnitude between black coaches and and black people getting murdered by police in Kenosha, Wisconsin and in Ferguson and wherever you want to you want to pick the example but it it just you know nba players showed how much power they have right Right. they they were able to they they were able to to go down to orlando uh they were to get uh people in wisconsin on the phone talking about hey this is something that can't happen you know the, the nba basically caved to their players requests um so why can't they use that same strength to put their coaches to put coaches of color in 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 good jobs you know and the only the only Explanation is that they they don't care as much, right? And that's why I would have to ask, right? I I say, do you actually, is this something that actually matters to you? If so, why haven't you shown it?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's going to be a great question. I look forward to you being able to ask it. Um, Like you said, hopefully it's in person, but I have like a suspicious feeling that you might need to fast forward to like 2022 for that. For, for that please band. don't, <laughs> I can't do another 2020, man. Nah, I can't do it. Uh, hopefully, better. I can, I can anything be worse than 2020? I, I honestly hope not, but I guess you know, we'll have to wait and see. There, um, sort of the
0: 2024 uh, if 2020 doesn't end right, you know, yeah. <laughs> you
1: know. uh, that's a good and terrifying point at the same time, right? Uh, the other, <laughs> I think, level to this too is that there is the when you move aside from um, the just sort of the the morality of the Nash hire if you want to call it that is just the you kind of already alluded to this is the combustibility of the situation because he's coming in and and forget about who the coach was like the Nets already kind of took one risk in my mind by letting Kenny Atkinson leave and so now you're hiring a first-time head coach and now you're doing it against this abridged title window because Kevin Durant this is going to be year one back from his Achilles injury like there's a chance I think he's going to recover fairly well relative to all the other Achilles injuries we've seen, but you could envision Mm. a scenario where he needs a season to become Kevin Durant again. And when he's two years out from free agency, when Irving's two years out from free agency already, like that just gives you a very abridged window to where you might not even be working with the best version of this team this year. And then by the time you are, then all of a sudden you're on this one year window before they have their their player options and so you're dealing with not just the expectations but the expectations in this very condensed period of time yeah you know as as it pertains to Kevin Durant if you ask me
0: I think he was ready to play in March April I I think he was ready to go he's definitely playing five on fives and not necessarily ready to play uh just solely because the Nets didn't have anything on the line Right. Like I'm, you're not putting Kevin Durant back on the floor in March, everything considered, because the Nets obviously aren't going anywhere. Kyrie Irving's hurt. Um, This team has no chemistry. They're not going anywhere. If you put Kevin Durant on the floor, the, the best thing that the worst thing that will happen is, is he re-injures his, his, his Achilles. The best thing that happens is you guys make it to the playoffs, steal the seventh seed and you lose in the first round again. Right. So I don't I don't think it's ever worth it. But from what I was able to see, just hanging around and being at Nets practices and stuff, I think I told you this already, when he was just running up and down the court, catching footballs, he was shooting turnaround fadeaway jump shots in January. You know, he's been uh, as close to 100% for a while now. I-, I think he's at the point where he's ready to go. I, I saw some pictures on Instagram today of him just uh, him just getting some practice up and he's out in Cali. Uh, where he's where he's practicing in rehab. and rehabbing. So I think the rehab portion of his Achilles, and this is just me, you know, making an educated guess from when I first saw Kevin Durant on the press conference and how he. You know, what I'm saying the way he had to go up a, a small flight of stairs and the and the ginger way he came down a flight right. of stairs to the week after or the two weeks after that, where he couldn't get really that much elevation on any jump. He wasn't jumping at all. He was shooting jumpers. He was shooting shots on his tippy toes. Right? They were set shots. So then watching his slow progression and then in my mind thinking, okay, March is here. You know, now I'm thinking to myself in March, yo, if the Nets are good enough, if Kyrie Irving is healthy, Kevin Durant can come back for the playoffs. That's what I was thinking in March. Mm-hmm. We're in October now, right? And I would assume that his rehab, you know, I would assume his rehab has been at least somewhat consistent through the pandemic. And then as things started loosening up, this season isn't going to start until January at the earliest. Um, I would, my, my assumption would be Kevin Durant is 100% healthy and ready to go right now. I don't think that there's any concern in terms of, you know, I mean, I think the re-aggravation risk for whenever he starts would be the same as the reaggravation risk for whenever he starts, right? That'll be January, February, March, December, November. If he would have started in October, I would have thought, okay, well, it, it just, it just to me, I don't know how much, and I could be wrong. I'm not a doctor. I'm not giving any, any medical advice, right? But I, I don't think that there's much more for him to do in terms of getting his Achilles back to a place where it's ready to go. Because if you ask me, I think he was ready to go months ago. Now, into I don't even know
1: what, what the actual question was. Well, what what did you actually ask me? Just the, the element of this now, like how it feels like much more combustible the situation is because you've now, oh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, you and and on top of that, you've got a lot of that. The combustibility lies in the injury proneness of the players, right? You've got Kevin Durant. who If he re-injures his Achilles, it's over, right? You, yeah. You, you get lucky if you injure Achilles. Once you injure it twice, it, it's game over. Kyrie Irving can't stay on the floor for an entire for for a half season. He played twenty twenty games this year, um, and, and his injury his injury issues are well documented. Caris is another injury prone guy. He's been injured damn near every year in in, in the NBA and in college. Um, so if any one, two or three of those pieces fall at any moment, now you're looking like, OK, well, what's going on? You know, I've seen people saying that hey, we next might want to trade character for, for Victor Oladipo. Oladipo is another injury prone guy. So it it, it it is combustible. But at the same time, and this was another thing that, that kind of irked me about the Nash hire. You know, if you ask me, I don't think it matters who you would have hired in terms of you've got so much talent on that team those guys like yes hey coaches are responsible for for championships right but at the end of the day it's talent right talent is going to be what goes out there and, and wins the games right obviously you've got to have a coach who's going to go out there and, and make you make you play defense you got to have a, a coach that's going to go out there and put an offensive system out there and put guys in positions to succeed whatever you want to say it. but at the end of the day if you don't have stars you're not going to win the championship mm-hmm. steve nash got to inherit superstars you have to inherit I don't know where they rank on your list, but KD is easily a top five, if not top three, top two player in this NBA. Kyrie, depending on where you feel, how you feel on this top 10, at least top 15 in this league, right? If you're getting two top 15 guys and then you have a deep roster, you're going to be able to make it work, right? It doesn't You could put me out there, right? And I would say, <laughs> no, I'm not, a, I'm not a... No, I would tell Kyrie the same thing. I'm not a coach. I'm just here, you know what I'm saying? Let's just figure it out. There's no such thing as a coach. I'm just here to let you guys do your thing. So to that end, if not having a coach doesn't really if, if a coach is just a, a figurehead right like just like like the person who runs the country then then what really it, it, it's it's semantics at a, at a point man. It's like what is happening but uh, to, to your point about the about the uh, the combustibility factor I think it's gonna be very important and that's very important uh, why they retain Jacques Vaughn because Jacques Vaughn has that that relationship with those guys um, he actually formed that relationship he imagine being promoted head coach on uh, <laughs> March 9th. And then two days later, everything comes crashing down, and your responsibility yeah. is not only to 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 you. Your responsibility becomes less of a head coach and more of like a therapist, right? Because you've got to check in and touch base with all your guys, make sure they're okay, giving them things to do at home. Um, that that was very important for the Nets to keep Jacques Vaughn just for that relationship factor. And I think the way I think we're going to learn more about the direction they're going to go, um, based on on how Steve Nash fills out his bench. Um, he wanted to bring in Dirk and Dirk said no which obviously if he's going to be a coach anywhere it'd be in in Dallas and then we're, we're hearing he wants to bring in mike D'Antoni um which would be interesting um and, and Phil handy which I don't think would happen right because I'm Phil handy I'm probably staying with the Lakers I just want to ring I'm gonna run it back um but if you're if you're trying to get dirk and you're trying to get mike D'Antoni i I don't see a defensive bone uh, <laughs> on that bench so it, it'll be interesting but I think to to your point the combustibility factor is there I think it's more so there because of of Injured, injury-prone players. Um, I think that in terms of of having options with the basketball, I don't think there's going to be any type of selfishness. And those guys, they all understand that they want to win and they have a very short window to really get it going. And a lot of guys don't want to leave. A lot of those guys don't want to get traded. Honestly, they want to stay. If you look at Spencer Dinwiddie's Twitter, uh, every time there's a trade rumor about involving the Nets, he knows he's if, if the Nets are going to trade for a significant piece, he knows, like, and he's not shy about talking about it, he knows that he's probably the guy to be dealt in that trade, him or Karras So I think those guys are more so of the mindset that we're going to do whatever it takes to to win. Um, whether that's me sitting my sitting myself in a corner and shooting threes, running back on defense, and, and 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 moving that ball around, or whether it's me actually calling my own shot. Those guys, the the Nets, they it's more so for them the little pieces. I don't think they need a, a another superstar player. I think they need role players, and I'd assume we, we'll get into that at some point, but. I don't necessarily see a combustibility factor in terms of egos. I think those guys are gonna put it away and uh and really try to compete for a championship. I do see a potential for for a meltdown if we get one or more injuries. That that would be bad.
1: Yeah, and they that you know, that seems maybe more like a midseason thing where like if they're also out to a slow start, like maybe that's where they hit like the the nuclear button. And I think the ego thing is important. Um especially when you're looking at Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant, I don't think this can ever be overestimated. These two are not only now on a team that they chose to play for, but they chose to play together. So, like, I think that takes care of any ego problems. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props— BetOnline gives you more options to wager on than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division odds, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great signup bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, at BetOnline.ag. That's BlueWire, all one word. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And, as you mentioned, there's like there's two layers to this question of one. Do you see a pathway to where, you know, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie and Karis LeVert to them all fitting together? Because in theory, it can be done, except that for all four of them, I would argue off ball shooting is the the weaker part of their games, even though they can all do it. Karis LeVert specifically has not been this great off ball shooter. And then there's also while I would not trade Karis LeVert for Victor Oladipo, like that's just something I wouldn't do. Right now, because he's under contract, um, Oladipo's injury prone too, and going to enter free agency. Oladipo might be is is higher end, I would say, in the aggregate. But just looking at the contracts and the, and the health history, Lavert seems like the just the better you know keep for or has more value to the Nets. At sure. the same time, when you're talking about the potential for missed games, there is sort of uh, a validity to thinking that maybe you do need that third star to lift up those nights where you only have. Durant or Irving rather than both of them because if you're the Nets you have to sit back and say how many games are those two going to play together and you know if if that number is like I would say 50 games with them playing together not like a piece but together might be on the more optimistic end and so maybe you want someone else who's not Karras or Dimwitty to do the heavy lifting on those nights
0: yeah you know I, I was I was of that thought process before we saw an NBA Finals with two duos, right? We saw Jimmy Butler and Bam, and we saw LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And I understand that that's an imperfect comparison because, well, where were the Warriors, right? Where were the Nets with, with their just two stars? You know, there were a lot of pieces. You know, where were the Clippers? Clippers got bounced, right, because they had two stars. And when I think of the Nets as currently constructed, I think of them as the inverse Clippers, right? You look at the Clippers, you've got two stars, and then you've got a bunch of gritty – uh, two-way players, uh, and the Clippers are supposed to have this this incredible defense that just did not show up against the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. Um, the Nets, on the other side, you've got and you've got an offensive Clippers, right? You've got you've got uh, KD, you've got Kyrie, and you've got a bunch of other guys on that roster. You probably got another four uh, from Spencer, uh, Karras, Joe, and if he's on, Torian can get you twenty. You've got four other guys on that roster that can get you twenty points. So if you've got six guys you got two guys who are capable of getting you 30 and another four who are capable of getting you 20 you've got a a lights out offensive team um it's interesting it's a it's an interesting situation especially when you consider Karras I, I know for sure that Kevin Durant loves Karras LeVert and he wants to play with him right and for that reason I don't think the Nets trade Karras unless it's going to get you back Bradley Beal Giannis the Nukumpo. I think one it has to bring you back one of those two players, right? And I don't think the Nets are going to try to go after Giannis, uh, even though I think that they could put together a, a, a compelling package. I think it'd be pretty cool to see Kyrie, KD, and Giannis on the same team. That'd be pretty crazy. But um, I, I just don't see it happening. You know, I, I see the the Drew Holiday trade chatter as well, and I think if they're going to get Drew Holiday, they go after him and try to keep Karras. You can still put together a pretty pretty decent package of, of revolving around Spencer, Jared Allen, Torian, and, and, and your picks. I think they could try to make that work. Um but but to to answer your question, well, let's let's try to put this roster, let's try to put together starting five, right? You got Karis, well no, no you're not Karis, you got Kyrie at the one, K D probably at the three, Joe Harris at the two, um, and then you probably gonna end up starting DeAndre Jordan at the <laughs> five. And you have to sign you have to sign your four, right? So your four is going to be probably Serge Ibaka. right? So that's your ideal That's your well, your maybe Serge Ibaka isn't ideal, but that's probably what you're starting the season, right? Right, Kyrie, uh, Spencer, no Kyrie, Joe, KD, uh, Serge, and 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 DeAndre Jordan. Where do uh, where do Spencer and Karras fit in? Stuff they fit in off the bench, right? I think Steve Nash said something about uh, Karras coming in in a Manu Ginobili role. That sounds about right. When when you compare the two games, you compare what you know. Karras Manu wasn't necessarily the streakiest shooter, but he could hit shots when he was hot. I create for other people. Had a little herky jerky game as well. Um and when you look at Caris, what he's able to do, he's able to get other guys involved. He, he shot I think better from 3 this year than any other year. Um we saw what he was able to do in the bubble and you could also put him on the floor out there with Kyrie and, and and KD at the same time because you, you can you can always put KD to the four. I think just that versatility that they have they have a bunch of different players that can play different <laughs> positions. Right, you can put Harris at the one, and if you have to, I know this might sound crazy, you can move Kyrie off the ball if you need to. You can move KD to the three. You can you can play around with that. Rossie, give that me KD, dress, KD and, at the five, even, part. and
1: play all five of them together yeah, right? with Joe Harris, and then just don't get a single stop. I'm, I'm not even being facetious. <laughs> That's a lineup that Ooh. absolutely needs to take the floor. <laughs>
0: What's defense when you can score a uh, hundred what's that? 30, 30, 60, 80, 20. When you score 140 points with six guys, what's defense, right? You don't need that. No, yeah. So, I, mean, I, I think the Nets are in position to have, like, I, I think they can actually have one of the best offenses we've seen in a while because, I mean, obviously the Rockets have this thing figured out. You're spacing out the floor. You've got James Harden. You've got shooters. You've got Clint Capella. They, they've always had one of the, the stronger offenses in the league, but the Nets have legitimately. Five guys that can go out there and get you 20 points. The Rockets don't have the Rockets have one guy who can get you 40 and a bunch of shooters and then another guy who might be able to get you 25 on any given night. Um, then the Nets are in position to to really have one of the better offenses. And I might be going jumping out a limb here, but I, I think we can see them do something that we haven't seen done in a while um it just matters and this this goes to, to your point whether steve nash is going to be the guy who's going to be able to organize them put them all in their right places get his rotations down that's an area that kitty actually struggled um he, he always would would leave guys in for too long the type of person would leave d'angelo russell on the bench in late games because he felt like spencer dinwiddie w- was doing a better job <laughs> i'll never forget that he, he subbed d'angelo russell out at the end of the game because uh Spencer Dinwiddie was doing a better job guarding Bruce Brown on the pitch. That was like <laughs> the name. Bruce Brown was getting off, and he subbed D'Angelo Russell out because Spencer Dinwiddie was doing a bit. It, it was mind-blowing. Either way, and, and Nets fans are smart, right? They're going to ask, okay, well, where's D'Angelo? Why isn't he subbing this guy? You know? and, and that's neither here nor there. I, I think Steve Nash is going to be fine, um, but I, I do think he's going to have to figure out what players play well with each other, and honestly, he's going to have to figure out if there's too many cooks in the kitchen. At the end of the day, I think they're probably going to have to trade somebody um, I'm not sure if they do it at the beginning of the season, or if they do it closer towards the trade deadline when they see if if this if this uh, group of guys is working. But you've got two chefs, and everybody else needs to be an assistant. You, know, you need to have prep chefs. You need to have be sous chefs. Um, not everyone can be a head chef, right? There's only there's only room for two head chefs in Brooklyn. And um, if somebody else wants to wants to cook more, they might have to cook up elsewhere. And that's what that's something that's going to, have to figure out this off season and closer to the trade deadline as well.
1: Yeah, there's, I think one of the best ways to make it work would be, you kind of outlined it when you were talking about their starting five, is if you can stagger their minutes um, that effectively, which I think becomes easier if both Dimwitty and Kairos LeVert are coming off the bench. In terms of playing them all together, I think the keys become because you have four guys who can just break down defenses from these set positions, does it almost increase the off-ball value of everyone around them because the looks that they're going to be getting is so high quality – that even if it's not, you know, catching and shooting is not the strongest part of Karis Levert's game. And I think he was under 32% on catch and shoot threes this year, but the fact that he'll have so much space and time and just the ability to get himself even more set, uh, maybe that makes it easier. And that's kind of the, it's not the Rockets model to a T because they don't have that many guys who can break down the defense, but it's let James Harden just sort of um, destroy everything in front of him and send defenses like into anarchy, um or just this state of, of clumsy <laughs> clumsy clutter, if you want to call it. And then you're just going to be so open that even if that's not your game, um, that it if you're a viable half decent shooter, that it's going to work out. I think what the bigger concern would be if you want all four of you know these to work in the rotation, you're at a point where you're gonna have probably t- you're gonna have two to three of them on the floor at all points. And that's not gonna be, I don't know what Kevin Durant's gonna look like defensively <laughs> After his injury, but that needs to be the bigger focus to me on this team, even more so than saying, you know, if you can obviously get a star, who's also a great defender. Yeah, that makes sense. Um Victor Oladipo is better than a Levert or Dimwitty in that area. But again, it's not someone that I'm looking at as an all NBA defender. And so can they make maybe, is it a matter of breaking up, you know, the four of them, but only trading one of them where it's a Dinwiddie, where you can go out and get like a you know use him to anchor a package for an for an Aaron Gordon, just someone to lock down the four, because you mentioned Ibaka. <laughs> I think that would be he's someone that could fit with them, but when you're working with such a small mid level exception, I don't know exactly. that you're gonna get the answer in free agency. And so maybe that's where the value lies for them on the trademark is you want to keep LeVert, so you're probably not going to get that third or fourth star, whatever you consider Levert. And that's fine because maybe you can use, you know, I don't necessarily in a great player for them. And I think he's just important to, to the tenor and personality of that locker room. But if you can use him sure. to upgrade your frontline defense, um, particularly when you don't really know what Kevin Durant's going to look like when Torian Prince is just not really built for, for that type of role, that might be the key to kind of tying this whole thing together where you look at this roster and say, okay, at least three of these guys can play together without issue.
0: Yeah, you made a good point. The player that they need is not going to be available, A, for their budget uh, in free agency. You know, if Jeremy Grant uh, declines his option and becomes a free agent in, in Denver, uh, that'd be a guy that I would say, okay, they need him at the four. Or, you know, another guy that I really like who they're not going to be able to get because they're not going to get him from, from Dallas, Dorian Finney Smith would be a great get uh to put right at that four for the Nets. Guys like that, guys that can go out there, Jamichael Green, if he's gonna leave uh the Clippers, I think he has an option that he's about to turn down. Um, you know, if if he if they can get somebody like him, they need they need somebody at that four who doesn't necessarily want the ball all the time, can shoot an open three, likes to move the ball around and can defend five, four, three, two. And even one, right? If you can defend all those positions, that's the type of guy you need. Um, and that's the that's the position they've been, and that's the position they've been in for a while. They had the same issue last year uh, where they were playing Jared Dudley and Damari Carroll significant minutes at the four, and neither of them were doing were doing a good job. Um, they thought Rodion Kurus was going to be was going to be the answer this year, and he played decent. In, in stretches, but he's still a young player. has a lot to has a lot to learn. Uh, he also has that that uh, that DV charge that he's got to he's he's got to figure that out. That's 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 kind of been put on the back burner. Something that guys haven't really been talking about uh, recently. But he's still got a, a, a right. court case he's got to handle. Um, a, and now you don't have that much cap space. You thought Torian Prince was going to be the answer. He wasn't, unfortunately. It just didn't on either side. He he didn't defend particularly well. He didn't shoot the ball particularly well either. Um, that's why I think he's going to be one of the first players out the door. Uh, in a trade. Um, and, and other than that, you know, you had Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler missed 25 games because he failed the drug test at the beginning of the year, came in, couldn't hit a shot consistently. Uh, it's just that the four has been an issue for the Nets for the last two, three years now, and that's, that's an area they need to address. Um, so you know, I, I think they're going to be creative. I, I think they're going to try to, honestly, I think they're going to try to trade for that third star. I, I'd like to see them get Bradley Beal. I think that's the only guy that you really not necessarily blow it up but that's the only guy that you deal all your young players uh unless you're going to get Giannis if not I think you can get Drew for for lower than than it would cost to get some of these other guys uh especially depending on what his interest is around and I think Drew correct me if I'm wrong Drew's going to be a free agent next year or is the year after that is he a player
1: 27.3 million dollar player option that's like one of those where it's like I could see him turning it down, but maybe he opts in and extends, or maybe he just opts in, but uh, he's yeah. free agency. He's slated for it, you know, in 2021 or 2022 as of
0: now. Yeah, I
1: think that's a guy I could see them
0: trying to go after because if you've got someone who can defend everyone and now Kyrie doesn't need to play defense on any anyone, and then on top of that, Drew, Drew doesn't necessarily care about how much energy he's expending on defense because he's used to it and he can still get buckets on offense. Oh, my. Bitcoin is going crazy right now. It's up to what's that twenty twelve thousand seven hundred eighty eight. Well, it was just at thirteen. This is crazy. This is, the world we're living in is, is remarkable. Um,
1: yeah, no, you know right, Spencer back did back what he's looking stuff. at that Bitcoin.
0: You know he is, and so am I.
1: Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, I, I just think that um the Nets have to they have to figure out what their priorities are. I think priority number one has to be getting that four that they need because it's not on the roster. The person that they need at that four. I, I, if you, if you put a gun to my head and said, start somebody at the four, um, I'm probably, uh, it's game over for me. Cause there's no, there's no one on the roster to put there right now. Um, but I, I think that that's, that's where they're going to go first. And then second, um, I, I'm not sure if Aaron Gordon is that guy for them either. Maybe he is. I, I haven't watched enough Aaron Gordon defensively to know what his capabilities are. If he can even guard ones and twos like that. Um, but they're going to they're going to try to do something and they're also going to try to I think they're going to try to in, improve that backcourt and they've got to resign Joe and that's going to be a tax paying team man i think they know that right. um and right. one, one scenario i saw was they're going to try to trade for both Drew and JJ Redick which would be amazing if they could pull that off i'm just not sure how they'll swing that. that that would definitely cost them Karras and Spencer uh it, it would cost them a couple of the, a couple pieces and players but um the, the Nets are in a driver seat, man they've got so many assets and so many so many young players um, I think they can pull off a lot of different trades. So I'm, I'm interested to see what they do and hopefully I can figure out what they do before you,
1: uh, I think, and look at free agency, I'm there's a chance because one of the legs up that teams have this year in free agency is if you are willing to spend following all the revenue that was lost, uh, mid this pandemic, like that gives you an edge. So even having the mini MLE, like maybe it gets you a player that it normally wouldn't, um, and so they right. could be looking at a, you know, it could be someone like a Markeith Morris, who's not necessarily a bad fit, but maybe you can get a Mo Harkless or a Paul Millsap. Like those are two guys that would be right. fantastic fits for what they're trying to do. Um, the the Drew Holiday and JJ Redick theory is interesting because I still wouldn't give up both Karras and Dim Woody in that scenario. Um, just because both mm. of those guys, you already mentioned it, they're going to be free agents. But I do agree that if you're going to go for that third star and Beal we're assuming is off the table because he doesn't want to leave Washington and Washington doesn't want to move him right now. Drew holiday just seems like the perfect one um, to go after that still leaves you with some front court defensive issues, but he's just, he's so good and he's going to give you defense across positions one through one through three. And then there's another guy who can break down, the defense for you. I'm still just very interested to see what they wind up doing at the four because Torrey and Prince cannot be, you know, I don't even know if he nope. can be the short-term answer at this point. And that extension, that two-year deal, I know they were looking at it as, you know, this is like a good salary anchor for a trade, but that decision looks questionable at best at this point.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, he, he pulled the wool over everybody's eyes. You know, he came in first day uh, uh, training camp, said, hey, you know, I'm going to take the challenge as the defensive stopper on this team. Uh, you know, I, I'm gonna do my job and, and space the floor out. I'm gonna do what it takes to win, and, and he tried. But you know, talk is cheap. You got to go out there, and and I, I, it's tough for me to say he didn't try defensively, right? Because I, I'm not gonna go out there and say he didn't actually try to make right. defensive plays. He did. He just didn't try consistently enough, right? And that's just his issue this year was consistency. He'd have some games where he got hot from three, and then he'd go 0 of 16 over the next quarter 0 16 is dragging, right? He'd probably go. Two for nine over the next three games, including one game with no threes made. You know his shot selection at times was was pretty questionable. He's a guy who shoots sidestep and step back threes. You know it, it's kind of ridiculous. He post up, tur- shoots turn around fadeaway jumpers. I was just like, yo, you're you're, you're a stretch four. you're supposed to sit there and shoot open threes and make them and play defense, and, and he just didn't do either of those things consistently enough. Um, but I, I can't keep bragging on the guy, right? I've made that point uh many times. I, the four is obviously something they need to take care of. Um and the contract, yeah, I mean it is a team friendly contract, right? He he's they're gonna be able to trade it. But I, I do think the jury's out, right? I think people know now, okay, to what Torian Prince is who he is in this league. And um I don't think people are going to be jumping at taking him, right? I'm not sure if there's a team that's gonna be like, Oh, Torian Prince is available, let's go get him, let's give up something to go get him, right? Like it's not. It's not going to be. They, that adding him to a contract is not going to help your cause, right? Or adding him to a trade is not going to help your cause. So it, it'll be interesting to see how if they're able to. I'm, I'm sure they'll be able to, to move him as as a cap filler, but you're gonna have to attach a pick or something to that because uh, I'm not sure what value he brings if he's not defending at a high level and he's not consistently hitting threes anymore.
1: Yeah, I think it's. Look, you you hit it. It's he's he helps them with the salary matching where it's like if you attach him to another salary, like you can take back a more. Expensive player, while including other stuff alongside him. The uh, Looking at players that are actually on this team, though, do you have any feel for how you think the Nets really view Jared Allen moving forward? I think he is better for them than DeAndre Jordan, but it's very clear um, how high on the pecking order DeAndre Jordan is. And now all of a sudden, you're at this point yeah. where Allen is extension eligible. Is he someone that you envision them extending you envision them letting it reach restricted free agency or do you think that he's just not going to finish next year with the team even if he begins it with them that's a great I
0: think it depends on what the. I think so if the Nets are going to trade for a third star Jared Allen is going to be part of that deal Right. right just because you're probably going to put Karras in there depending on who you're going to get and depending on the team you know you know Jared Allen he, he's a starting center in this league he proved that in the Orlando bubble he proved that before DeAndre Jordan came um he can play you know he's he's a guy who's going to protect the rim and he's a guy who's going to run he's a guy who's going to finish dunks um the issue with that is that there will always be another Jared Allen right there's nothing yep. special about him unfortunately he, the the most special thing about him is his pro, <laughs>
1: and, and
0: the fact that he plays pretty he plays video games pretty cool he's a great guy great dude but and there was that something. like moment
1: in time where it looked like he was going to be a three-point shooter and then all of a sudden like that just yeah <laughs> nah he shot
0: one I, I remember he was practicing a little bit in kenny atkins was like hey, we can need you to start shooting threes that 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 ship has sailed um you know and it's fine you know jared allen is a, he's a very fine center right he, he's he's going to be a, a rim-running and, and rim-protecting big man. He'll probably get a contract probably somewhere in the in the four-year, 40-something million-dollar extension at some point, or maybe a little more than that, however they're going to do it, wherever he ends up. But you will always be able to find a, a tall player who can run, jump, and and dunk right. It's 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 unfortunately it's, it's that's what they have in DeAndre Jordan. They have an older version of Jared Allen, right? I don't see any difference between the two, except one has been in the league for however long DeAndre Jordan has, and the other has been in the league for three years going on four. So I think that's the situation. Um, and then what complicated is that the Nets went ahead and drafted Nick Claxton last year, and I think Nick Claxton is a five, right? I mean he. I mm-hmm. don't think there's any benefit in playing him at the four. Uh, I, I think he's a five in this league. So. He's he's been in this tweener situation ever since then. Um, he, he got demoted for a guy who, honestly, in my opinion, he's better than. Except for the fact that you know DeAndre Jordan, his underrated ability is being able to pass that ball. He can do that. Uh, I didn't have a, a great appreciation for how he was able to pass the ball until he came to Brooklyn. Um, and then he started starting, and then he started getting some some, some significant playing time. He's he kind of likes to operate uh, out of that Al Horford high elbow area, yep. and he'll just like make passes out of there. really. He calls it the hub. He makes passes
1: out of the hub. It's really cool. Um, I think that year he spent, I think it was a year without Chris Paul, is like where that really started honing in for him. Because he's always been kind of able to make yeah. those like quick passes on the move, but where you're talking about his set playmaking, that felt like, you know, I'm not necessarily sure he needed that, but like when Chris Paul was gone that year, and then they traded Blake Griffin, I believe, uh, too, That, right. that uh, the season after Paul left, like that really opened the door for him to experiment with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, DeAndre Jordan, number one, DeAndre Jordan is the most fun player on that roster. I have a ball with him anytime, any time he's around. You know, we ask him about the passing and he always says, you know, I'm telling you guys, they just got to give me the ball. Put the ball in my hand. And, <laughs> he every time. and he's so serious, but it's real. Like he can actually make plays. And that's the area that Jared Allen has. Like He made he's had games in the bubble where he was able to to, to operate and make some. He had some actually pretty good passing games in the bubble. But that was the first we've seen of him being able to do that. Right. DeAndre Jordan has proven to be able to make those passes this entire year. So then that's the next step for, for Jared Allen. But, you know, it just go. It boils down to you will always be able to find a player that can do what Jared Allen does, right? How many other rim-protecting, rim-running seven-footers are there in this league? There's probably one on every roster, right? It's just more so opportunity and, and a, a, a organization's patience in developing their players. Um, so I, 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 that for that reason, I think Jared Allen probably going to get traded um, because, number one, you're not trading DeAndre Jordan. He's going to be here as long as Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are. And I just don't think it's feasible for those two to be splitting twenty the, for those two to be splitting forty eight minutes.
1: Um, I, I don't think it's gonna work that way. I mean it could. It, I mean theory, probably it
0: could work that way. I think you're but right. That extension is coming up. Yeah, and right? that's what
1: it is. It's like you're paying DeAndre ten million a year basically, and then once Allen's at that level, like are you're then paying twenty plus million dollars for what combines to be a non superstar center. That that becomes problematic. Yeah.
0: I don't care how close he is with Kyrie or KD. Just the the number is bad, right? Four years, $40 for a guy who's getting older. And, I mean, Father Time is undefeated. That That fourth year is a a killer.
1: killer. That's the one that got me. I was like, four? Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It's bad. But, I mean, and and there's no but, right? He's, He's only going to get older. He's only going to get less athletic, less agile. He's only going to be less effective at guarding ones and twos. He's only become more of a liability on the floor over the next few years and that's just the unfortunate fact about anybody who gets older right like any Mm -hmm. player except for LeBron right LeBron is the only player I've seen who is who is actually whooping father Tom's ass right now because that man doesn't stop but everybody else the older you get the the less effective you are in a bunch of different areas and I I think that it it was a mistake but it's a mistake you have to make if it means bring Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on right okay I'll give DeAndre Jordan 10 million dollars We'll just have to go draft another young, uh, fun center who can who can fill in the minutes that DeAndre Jordan doesn't play. And that's what it's going to boil down. DeAndre Jordan is going to be the most compensated role player ever. He's going to be great.
1: Yeah, and uh, I, I'm with you mostly on the Allen stuff. I think he's – he when you watch him, it feels like he has more switch to him than a lot of players of his archetype on defense. But it also felt like that wasn't there as much this past season for – whatever reason. And so whenever you invest in those guys, it's a risk, but long-term he's clearly the better fit for Brooklyn, but I would be, I, I'm not going to say shocked, uh, but it would be mildly surprising to me if he's on the team B beyond the trade deadline, not even necessarily because his value is high, but like, you know, if you pair him with a set, like he's another asset to put in either a bigger deal, or if you attach him to Torian Prince's salary, like, does that just get you somebody? Is it, you know, or even, is it like a mildly big deal where it's Allen, a first and Torian Prince's salary. I'm like names. I'm, I'd be blanking on here, but like, you know, if, if the rockets are pivoting out of, Small ball, like does that package get you? Does Prince and Allen and a first get you Robert Covington? I just that's just that would be ideal. That's that off the top of my head, scary, and I would assume yeah. they'd say no. But I'm just like, you could do something like that, and I assume that they they eventually will do something along those lines if he's not part of mm. of the bigger deal. Uh, the other one of the other guys who's already there that I'm surprised we really haven't mentioned him much already is so Joe Harris is a free agent, and yeah, I think because of what he does like he's shown he can attack closeouts he's i also think that he's like kind of an underrated passer when when he's on the move but for what he the shots he takes just off the catch in motion like he's mission critical to providing offensive balance when you have all these other ball handlers around him and i think he's for sure probably one of the free agents if you want to say between 5 and 7 that are going to get like actual massive money this summer and so do you sure. think that there is – there's always a breaking point. But it, do you think – like I could see in Atlanta or a, a New York being like, hey, Joe Harris, here's $13, $14 million a year. Do the Nets have to match that, and will they? Yeah,
0: they're going to pay Joe Harris. Um, I, I think that they've got to make sure he knows he's wanted, um, and he knows he's wanted, right? This is a guy who can go out there and, and shoot it. Uh, and it's not just shooting, right? Like this year in the bubble, even before the bubble, we we're seeing him take guys off the dribble finish at the rim. We're seeing him take guys off the dribble, make the extra pass. We're seeing him defend. This is, this is less of Joe Harris. Joe Harris is closer to Clay Thompson than he was himself now as a rookie. right? I think he's closer mm-hmm. to Klay Thompson than he is who he was when he entered the league. Right. Because now he's not just a guy who come out and, and hit threes. He's a guy who can do a little bit of everything. Um, that said, he's, there's a guy who's going to command that type of money. Um, I think the Atlanta, the Atlanta, um, the Atlanta scenario is real, right? Because the Hawks can use that type of player, um, but I don't think the Nets let him leave. Bro. I don't even think the Nets let him pick up the phone to hear on the offer. <laughs> I, I think they they get that handed pretty quickly. I mean, Sean Mars came out and said, and this is Sean Mars is the guy who says absolutely nothing, right? He will not tell you a single thing. For him to come out and say, hey, Joe Harris is priority number one, uh, I believe him now. If he turns around and does not sign Joe Harris, I'm like, okay, something's up here, but. Nah, I can't see the – he's just like you, – you said it. He He's so critical to how this team functions, and the team doesn't have anybody else like him. He's the best – he's not just the best shooter on the team. He's one of the best shooters in the NBA. He's also going to go out there and guard. He's also going to go out there – and just the threat of him – he, he kind of has the Duncan Robinson effect, right? Just the threat yeah. of him shooting out on the three-point line is even more of a threat than him actually taking the shot. Guys are sending – guys are literally fearful of him coming off of the screen uh, and, and hitting a shot so they're going to, to jump out at him and he has that type of impact in Brooklyn as well so I, I don't think the Nets let him go I'm the Nets you know, you remember how uh how, how the Clippers locked DeAndre Jordan in his own house <laughs> yeah uh, I think they're gonna I think we're gonna see a little bit of that I don't think Joe's gonna gonna go anywhere
1: um and what is so what would be the the what's the most undercovered or underrepresented thing about this team right now going into next season that that most intrigues you? Like you know, when everyone's talking about Joe Harris mm. or Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, what is it about this team that's not re- receiving enough discussion on?
0: That's a great question, man. Um,
1: I, I I don't think people are, are actually
0: paying attention to the Nets as a legitimate championship contender. Right. And, and that's part of the thing that gets me excited. Right. And, and part of this is self serving. Right. I would love, there would be nothing more fulfilling for me to cover than an actual championship team here in my hometown in Brooklyn. Right. Number one, I've never covered a good, a good team a, as a reporter in my years here. Right. I've been, I've been in New York covering the NBA as a reporter since 2015. So I've had 2015, 16, 17 Knicks. And then I've had the Nets over the last couple of years. Um, but when you look at this roster and you look at what, Kyrie Irving has done his career, what Kevin Durant has been, has done this career, and you look at the rest of the East, um, this team is actually one that can legitimately contend for not just the Eastern crown, but they could potentially win it all if everything goes right. You've got Kevin Durant who proved he can beat LeBron, right? Kevin Durant has beaten LeBron two years in a row. Um, and obviously he was part of a of a monster warriors team, but he was the best player on that team. And he he stepped up and hit shots, right? He stepped mm-hmm. up and hit shots in LeBron's space for the win two years in a row, I believe. So it's it's not like like this is all. Oh, it's not like it's hypothetical. We've seen him do this, and we've seen Kyrie hit shots in crunch time. We've seen we've seen him hit the shot over Steph. We watched him hit the shot over Clay on Christmas Day the next year. Like we know what he's done and what he's capable of. Um, I think there should be more stock in the Nets as potential championship, like actual. Like I think there should be more bets on the Nets. I think people should bet on them because this is a teamer. If everything, well, obviously if everything goes right, it is a big disclaimer. But if things go, if if the ship just stays straight and doesn't get any holes in it, they're at least going to be top four team in the East, right? I don't think I don't think you could name five teams that'll have a better record than the Nets if Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irvin are healthy, right? We, we could try. We could try Bucks, Raptors, not the Sixers. You know, I don't think the Heat have a better record. Um, maybe the Celtics,
1: maybe the Raptors. I don't think that. I don't think those teams. You know, I think you I could think go that's, three. That's I think you could say pretty solidly if the Nets are semi healthy, they'll be top five in the East, if not top four. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, easily. And and then from there, it's playoffs and. If you look at the East, I'm not sure if you if there are any other two, if there are any two other players you'd rather have on your team in crunch time in the playoffs than Kyrie and KD. Can you name one? Maybe Jimmy Butler, based on what he was able to do. But other than that, based on what I saw this year, I, I wouldn't want Giannis on my team in crunch time in the playoffs. He's, he's very he's easily def- defendable, and the Bucks are are not a complete team. Um, Kemba, in my opinion, was exposed. Love Kemba, but he's got to step up. Right, Jason Tatum also has to step up. Um, no one on the Sixers. There, there's no one on the Sixers that I want over KD and Kyrie in crunch time. Maybe Jimmy Butler, but we still don't know if this is a one off from Jimmy Butler. If we can do this every year, the Nets have two guys who are proven whatever assassins in the playoffs, mm-hmm. right? So it, it's tough, man. I think there's that, and then there's just like how how much fun are these guys gonna have, right? I think when you've got when you've got a team with so much talent, you know, it's just like. A, I think you talk about the combustibility factor. There's only one basketball. Can all these guys get involved? Or B, you know, if, you know, and and we're trained not to go, okay, if everything goes right, right? Because things rarely do go right. But if you just allow your mind to wander, what if things actually are, are perfect in Brooklyn for once? You know, this could be a team that wins 60 games, 55, 60 games, and that would be, a, a, a. That would be crazy, and then there's also the comparison to the team across the bridge. The Knicks are still are still crazy. They're probably gonna end up trying to trade for Chris Paul um, <laughs> and, and, and whatever else is gonna happen over there. <laughs> and the real underrated thing is, I think we're gonna start seeing a lot more traction for Nets basketball. Right? The Nets have always been in the Knicks shadow, but now we're in a we're we're in an era where the Yankees just got bumped. Uh, the Mets aren't very good. The, the, the Jets stink. The Giants think a little bit less than the Jets. The Jets are, oh, that just got me. New hungry. York football is, is depressing. That's, N- we can New leave it at that. New York sports. Yeah, yeah. New York sports is in a bad place. Yeah. And, and the Nets are one of the only teams in New York sports that have a legitimate chance to win it all next year. And the year after that, I think that's something people aren't talking about. And, yeah, that that's I guess that's my that's There's the, spiel. The, right I bit. think
1: I might even count myself among them looking at next season where I just don't know that I necessarily consider them one of the foremost contenders. They have that range of outcomes for me. I just honestly don't know what to expect from year one Kevin Durant because you talk about the crunch time playoff stuff, and I agree with everything you said. I would say maybe Kyrie is, like, comes closer to being approximated if you look at what Jimmy Butler or Kemba without knee problems could do. But, like, Kevin Durant is, like, the epitome of crunch time, just can't, like, unguardable. Like, just being... Sure. All, like, you give it to Kevin Durant, he'll shoot over the top of everybody if it has to be that simple. Like, it doesn't need to be anything complicated. He'll walk it up the floor, and he can fire over anyone. And so having him exactly. is such a huge advantage. I'm just... I've gotten caught on both sides of the spectrum where I'm too optimistic after a serious injury, and that's what I was with Gordon Hayward, or then where you're not optimistic enough. uh, And I fell into that trap with Rudy Gay, where I just really kind of thought that he's done, and he's coming back from, or he came back from a similar injury and played quite well. I just, the type of player Kevin Durant is, as you mentioned before, I would have had him as top three easily. I just don't know where he is now and even how much of a glimpse of what he actually is, we'll see during the regular season, because you have to imagine that the Nets are going to strive to conserve him for the postseason for those moments that you just described. And I think for me personally, that's why I'm so hesitant to render any sort of verdict on the Nets, because I could see them coming out of the East, but I'm also very reticent to be like, you know what? This is a 50 win team. That's going to have a top three record as well.
0: Yeah. It, like, like you, like you said earlier, it only takes one, one of those dominoes to fall, whether it's Kyrie's shoulder or, or Kevin's leg or Caris's thumb, or, or Spencer's Bitcoin wallet. It only <laughs> only takes one of those one of those dominoes to fall and then and then this team can be in free fall. Um but I, I honestly honestly and, and free fall is a stretch, right? Because even if Kyrie goes down for 15 games, you still have Spencer Dinwiddie, you still you still have Karis LeVert and you still have Kevin Durant, right? Mm-hmm. And if for some reason both of those guys go down for an extended period of time, you still have Karis and Spencer and Joe and a couple other guys, and who knows? And that depends on whether you trade or not. Um, you know, I, I think you said it best. There's such a, there's such a wide range of, of outcomes for this team. Um, I, I and this probably is probably the homer in me, right? I've never seen a successful New York basketball season um, in my lifetime that didn't include, let's see, Carmelo Anthony, or let's see, was it? I think Latrell Sprewell was around when the Nets, when when the Knicks were. Uh, yeah, we're Latrell, Al Houston, up. Uh, yeah, ninety nine. Latrell, Allen, Houston. Yeah. Um, I was 7 at that point, right? So I, I was born in 92, so I was 7 at that point. Uh and anything before that I wasn't necessarily coherent enough to understand what was happening. So I've only seen co I've only seen good New York basketball two periods of my life. Once and and then no, and then there's a third time when Darren Williams was there with the Nets and 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 they were semi okay, right? So
1: they were Homer, sem- the, I love that that's the were, state of New York yeah. basketball. They were semi okay. Yeah, that's basically how you can put it, right?
0: <laughs> New York basketball has been semi okay. Uh, at best for the last two decades or so right wow it's been two decades and we haven't seen more than a second round uh appearance from either of these teams either way you know i, I think that new york-, new york deserves something right new york deserves it's one of its sports teams to to to, to be good and actually win right and what it would do for this city would be amazing that the yankees haven't won anything since 09 um the, the Knicks haven't won anything since, what, 73? Yep. Um, the Nets the Nets made it to the finals
1: not too long ago, but they were, well, not so long ago. Those teams, Vince Carter, Richard, th- those were fun teams. Yeah, I but that wasn't even
0: far. New York. That was New Jersey, right? Yep, so, that's a
1: good point. <laughs>
0: New Yorkers didn't. New Yorkers can't really claim that. Uh, the Jets have sucked for So think about this. The best the Jets have been in this decade was the Mark Sanchez era. That was the wow. best. That might have even been this decade. That might have been last decade. No, I think that was this decade. The best, the, the the best the Jets have been in recent memory has been the Mark Sanchez era. That's how bad it's been. The Giants, the Giants have been okay, right? They, the Giants are probably the gold standard. They they they've won a couple of
1: Super Bowls, but they yeah, suck but then now. they suck if really, they don't win a Super Bowl. That's basically how. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But
0: even if they, even though they suck right now, there's still some hope, right? Like, okay, well, you've got Daniel Jones. Um, you've got you've got Saquon Barkley. He's hurt, but at least you've, there's some semblance. There's still a feeling of of okay. This will be okay as it pertains to the Giants. You don't have that feeling about the Jets. I'm a Jets fan. The Jets suck. That's what the Giants have going for them is they're
1: not the Jets, I think. That's why their outlook
0: seems better. (laughs) Exactly. And that's – oh, my goodness. I could go on a rant right now about the Jets, but they're literally the worst team. They, They hired the worst head coach in NFL history. They're the worst team in the NFL, and that says something because the Cowboys have the worst defense in NFL history right now. So how you can be better than the team with the worst defense and then, well, worse than I'm not even going to go into that either way. I think that the nets have a chance to, to actually bring some hope back to New York. Right. And it, the bar is set so low. They don't have to win a championship this year. They have to make the playoffs and, and really make the Eastern conference finals, right? That's what you want them to do. And then next year, go get whatever pieces it is that you need for that. Um, but,
1: they they can really they, they can really do something man i'm excited uh the very last thing i'll ask you is just looking at everything they have like including even the the number 19 pick if they're going to make a move
0: oh that pick is gone yeah well, that
1: that, that, that yeah. pick they
0: never i, I think well how does it work they have to actually make the pick before they trade it right so they're going to make the pick on behalf of another team and then the trade will get cleared that 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 pick is gone already in the back of their minds that pick is getting attached to so, whatever trade they're making. I I can't I can't see them keeping it. It wouldn't make sense.
1: Yeah, so that was my question is whether you think there's a chance that whatever move they make, however large or I would say even the smallest move they make will be moderate just looking at the assets they have to offer. You think it's going to happen before the season or do you think there's a chance that this spills into the trade deadline where the Nets they use their MLE but then they stand relatively pat otherwise and don't necessarily make a move until they have a better feel for what this team looks like. Um that's a good question. Um I think it depends on
0: who they get, right? Like if you're going after a large target, if you're going after a Drew, or if you're going after a a, a Beal, or you're going after a Levine, then you're gonna know on draft day, okay, if we're going to get Levine, that pick is gone, right? Or we're we're attaching all the we're we're getting if we're going to get Beal, all these players are gone and these picks are gone. If you're going for smaller smaller pieces, right? Like if you if you go through the season and and you realize, okay, Kyrie's Kyrie's uh, shoulder isn't that great. And Spencer is playing a lot of minutes, but we really don't have a backup point guard. Chris Gioza went ahead and signed elsewhere. Um, we've got to go trade for a backup. Then you might have a, a second trade elsewhere, right? You might have a second trade close to the deadline uh, with whatever other pieces you have. So I just I think it more so depends on whether they clear everything out at the, at the trade deadline and getting another star or whether they – there might be a – chance. I mean, that's, that's a good question. I didn't really think about it like that. There might be a chance that some of this spills over to the trade deadline, but uh, that's that's interesting I, because there's there's also a train of thought where it's like yo this team as currently constructed can can go for it right they're deep right they they need what they need one extra piece that piece would be a four right and ideally you want to trade Torian because once you go get that four there's no real room or role for him right because you're playing KD most of the minutes at the three you're gonna have Karras and Spencer and Joe and Garrett Temple who's gonna be playing more minutes than Torian um you're gonna if you want to put tur in at your backup four, you know what you're gonna get out of that so it, it's an interesting scenario there um but i, I don't know i i guess if, if i was a betting man i'd say the nets would get a lot of their business done ahead of time because that's something that you don't you, you don't want that that i wouldn't necessarily call attention but you don't want that dark cloud hovering over team's mm-hmm. head throughout the season oh who's gonna be here who's not um so I would bet that a lot of this stuff gets done at the trade I mean at the at the on draft day really or in or during the off season. But, you know, you might get you might think it's done and then something's not working out and you need to make a little change here or there uh, at the trade deadline. So we, we might see them do something bigger in the summer. Well it's not even this crazy, it's not even the summer. Something bigger <laughs> during the offseason and then and then a smaller subsequent trade around the trade deadline. Um, but I, I would bet they try to get a lot of their work done uh, as early as possible.
1: I tend to agree with you, but they are among the most interesting teams this offseason for me because of, you know, we talked about the range of outcomes for next season, but the range of things sure. that can happen for them before next season are just absolutely through the roof because while we did speak on the level of combustibility, they have, I wouldn't say it's quietly, but like you don't really mention them among the teams that have the most aggressive trade packages if they go all in. And yet they do just because of thanks yeah. to Levert and Dinwiddie and Allen, number 19. And even their. I know both you and I know front offices don't always think like this because their job security doesn't necessarily span that long. But like if you're a team and the Nets are offering like a distant first round pick, like if it's twenty twenty three or twenty twenty four, where you know like maybe Kyrie and Katie isn't there, you might want that. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things they could do, and I'm I'm very interested to see what they wind up actually doing over the offseason. Christian, as always, thank you so much for letting me talk your ear off for, for over an hour. This was fun as always. and <laughs> uh, You could be rest assured that I'm going to pester you again in the, in the not so distant future.
0: Literally anytime, man. I'm glad we were able to chop it up. Um, hopefully next time we're talking, maybe it's at an arena if I'm traveling with the Nets or maybe it's actually somewhere in person because I can't do any more of this virtual stuff, man. It's, it's weighing on me.
1: Yes, we will definitely have to speak in person at some point. I think I remember seeing you a few times when I was covering the Nets, but we have never actually spoken in person, and it certainly really? did not happen. Yeah, you were – look, I'll say that about you. I remember – I think you were at SB Nation at the time, and I was doing a lot of net stuff for um, Bleacher Report back in the days where the Nets were guarding like Isaiah Whitehead's health like it was a state secret. Sure. Like those days. Yeah. Um And I just remember seeing you Zoom from locker room to locker room during postgame and thinking that I was like – you know, that guy's like really working. I saw the pieces you were publishing clearly on deadline and I was writing like longer features. So I didn't have these deadlines. And so I just remember seeing you and I was like, that, that dude is a worker. So that was my impression before <laughs> ever actually speaking to you.
0: Yeah. I appreciate that, man. You know, you know, the hustle, man, you got to these, these players, they actually, you have a short window of time to get them. And after that, they're gone. So you got to hustle from one locker room to the other and pray you didn't miss anybody. But I appreciate that, man. Uh, next time, hopefully, when the streets reopen, uh, we'll
1: definitely gra- we'll grab a drink or something, man, for sure. Definitely. I'll talk to you soon, Christian. Take care. Oh my God. Thanks for having me.